Welcome to the Woke Blokes podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. <laughs> Come on, man, it's an episode about ang- anger. Don't be, don't be laughing. <laughs> I'm not that angry. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan here from the Center for Healing, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you, mate? What's news in your part of the world? I, I am. I'm in a very deliberate state at, at the present. At my, deliberate at state. Um, hmm. We, Em and I, watched a documentary a while ago on tiny houses, mm-hmm. and um, a lady in there. She found out she had cancer and she was high-flying corporate, blah, 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 and she um, yeah, got the news. So she downsized and she wanted to live a more deliberate life. And I really oh, – we, we really liked that term. You know, we'd been talking about mindfulness and being present and everything. Um, at work with clients, we teach them meditative exercise classes, slow walking, juggling, and, and trying to live a, um, a meditative life. Um, but I've never really used the word deliberate in it. So um, it just made sense. It was just a really, really good fit for what we're doing. And a client came in this morning and said, how are you? And I, I unconsciously was, you know, I wasn't trying to be deliberate, but it was just a, I said, to her, I, I'm aware that I have a lot of things to potentially try and achieve today. So I'm just trying to stay out of it and observe it and not get you know caught up or swept away and under a sense of I have to or or anything um and she was just looking at me like yeah, right I said how are you she goes I am all of those things as well because <laughs> 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 usually clients just say good and are yep. good's a swear word as well because good's not a uh, you know doesn't give us much to work with yeah um same as but happy. She was, she was, she, fluff she, word. It's a she, fluff word. It is a fluff word. She was in a bit, and it's fine out there with, you know, but in here, yep. I, I need to know how you're generally feeling, uh, as I've spoken about before. So, uh, but it was an interesting one. She has, you have a habit of this, Nick. You have a, you have a knack for, you know, as you're speaking, I'm going, is he talking with this because he's picking up on what I'm actually feeling right now? Because what I was speaking was exactly what we had to work on in her session. So, so, do you ever? Does that happen with you? Does that? Yeah. You, you, you just know what your clients are yeah. on some level. Yeah, a hundred percent. It happens all the time. I, I often have clients. Their their words are, "Can you get out of my head, please?" And I'm like, "Hey, yeah. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll also we'll also kind of try. If you find this job, but we'll kind of we go through periods in our life when we're sort of working through different things, and then we'll attract people like clients that are kind of um, about to go through totally. the same struggles and that kind of thing. Totally. And, oh, man, when we had the centre, because I saw it not only with me, but we had the, all the girls there as well. And, yeah, they were like, my God, this week, it's all been this with clients and it was stuff that they just have to work through themselves. So, yeah, it's really interesting how that works. Uh, I've caught myself on numerous times talking to a client and it sounds like I'm talking to myself, but, you know, as a therapist, you've got to keep your shit out of the room. Yep. So it's – but and I'm like, Oh, that's some good advice. I might just store that one away from myself for later on. But it's funny who turns up is, yeah, what they need to work on is what I need to work on outside of these sessions. Yeah, it's hilarious. So what is this this deliberate life 
uh, going to look like for you and them? Like, what is this? What, 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 what is, where are we leading with this? You guys getting a tiny uh, house? Well, I, Did I, you I just buy a house? Did yeah. <laughs> you just buy a big <laughs> house? <laughs> it's not a big house. It's, um, it's a, it is it's compared a to a tiny but... house. <laughs> It is compared to a tiny house, yes. <laughs> it, it, it suits us. Um, well, it's you know, I've, I've you know, my my philosophy of living life slowly as possible. I guess that's what it is. And and when we're we're talking about deliberate, it's conscious, it's aware, it's present. It's I'm choosing to do this. So, um, a client this morning asked me how much I meditate, and I said I. I don't really talk to clients about my meditative practice because it's <clears throat> going to be very different to theirs. I've spent years practicing my meditation and I'm now living a meditative life. So um, in that regard, I'm more present more often. So um, it, it comes back to, you know, I'm listening to the words that I'm speaking and I'm, 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 I'm aware of what's coming out of my mouth. I'm aware of how I'm actively engaged with you and the conversation that we're in. I'm, I'm mindful of what I just ate for lunch and, and I was there for the experience of it. So mm-hmm. uh, being deliberate is, is just being, a, I guess, in the driver's seat and staying in your power and choosing how you think and feel and behave more often than not. Yeah, I like that word as well. It is an it's an empowering word. I'm living. It's like, how are you going? I'm living a deliberate life. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that hits. That feels good. Yeah, living and a lands. deliberate life. But it it, uh, it comes back to something we we're talking about as well this morning with this client. How you know, and we've spoken about this before. That slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. And mm-hmm. and in order, I like the expression in or the philosophy that in order to have things you've never had, you need to do things you've never done. Mm. And so, so many people are wishing, wanting, hoping to feel peaceful, or calm, or happy, or content, or whatever. But all those things are symptoms. They're they're byproducts of of all the train that we do here. Just like a a body that is free of disease and illness and that is strong and resilient and and healthy um, is a byproduct of, of a, a training regime that people go to the gym three or four times a week. You know? yep. So essentially we're getting to the point where if you're not meditating, if you're not putting in the time and effort and energy of the practice, then you're not going to get the results of what a meditative mind gives you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I had a client recently as well who just finished up uh, this week. Yeah, this week. But um, yeah, he, he'd sort of started putting in the work the last kind of six months, but he was sort of making these changes in his life. He'd realized how much his mind was bugging him and making him anxious. So he reached out and got help for that. He got his physical health in order, started eating the right things. He stopped partying and, and, and drinking as much and all that kind of stuff and, and focused on his young family that he had and um, and all of a sudden, you know, from the, the start of this year, so from sort of 2021, um, right at the start up until now, he's like, I just can't believe how good things are. Like it was some sort of accident. And I'm like, mate, it's no, no accident. It's like you've you've done the actions. Because I say, I say to people all the time, I'm like, when we think about, you know, we talk about our future self. And I'm like, your future self is going to one day be your present self. 
you know, you're, you're going to be sitting in those shoes. And it's like, you, you've done all the things and got all your ducks in a row and have been doing the right things that now you're sitting in your future self that, you know, you were, and, and now you've got kind of got a life that you wouldn't have thought was possible six months ago. And, and that's no, no accident. Cause like you said, I think people think, you know, maybe if I go and get struck by lightning, then everything will change. <laughs> but we keep doing the same things, but we have to make conscious and deliberate change. And, and, and that can be very uncomfortable. And one of the things that he was, struggling with a bit as well was um, social circles, you know, having to now start to maybe change social circles or limit time with some people and, and form new relationships. Cause as you step out of an old life into a new one, a lot of, you know, your old friends are still doing the same things that you stepped away from because you wanted a better life. Mm. Yeah. But everything's impermanent. So when we operate and this is what it comes down to is we're changing our clients' operating systems. We're not trying to change who they are. We're trying to change mm. how they operate. And so when you can operate from a, <clears throat> a more liberated operating system where, you know, if friends come, let them come. If friends go, let them go. If friends stay, let them stay. Then that's just life's so much easier. It's sort yeah. of more effortless. But that yeah. it becomes effortless because of all the effort that you put in. That's right. <laughs> to yeah. change your operating system. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was funny because he kind of, as well, it's just the thing that I think, I don't know, I think males go through more. We've got this whole camaraderie thing and, you know, we feel sometimes obliged to old friends because we've been friends with them for a, a very, very long time. But like you said, people come and go throughout our whole life. And if we can be not attached as um, our old mate, the Buddha said two and a half thousand years ago, then, um, you know, we, we can understand that people will come and go. And, you know, this, this client was from kind of a small country town. And, you know, I know it's harder in that environment because kind of everyone knows everyone and everyone's grown up together and it's this tight knit community. But like you said, if you want liberation, you need to understand that, um, you know, people will come and go and they'll be in our life at certain times and then they won't be. And, and that's okay. You know, it's all, mm. it's all okay. Um, it's all okay at the end of the day. In that it's all okay, regardless of what it is. <clears throat> can, I, can, I, can I give you a, oh, sorry, go finish up what you say. My client after um, the, the one I've just been talking about this morning, she's in a 12 month program and she spoke about how uh, she's a lot more carefree about things at the moment. And, and, you know, she, she intellectualized all of this IP that we're talking about and all this Dharma and all this, the philosophy and everything. And then she, she got it. She sat there and nodded, did all the nodding. Yes, I get it. I understand it. But she, she hadn't quite embodied it. And then she realized that she, she started embodying it. And, you know, months later, here she is going, oh, and, and I'm carefree. And we, we discussed, you know, another word for attachment is care. And so she's saying I'm carefree is I'm free of a lot more of my attachments and, and I'm just not so fixated on how things should be or how I want them to be or people say certain things about me. And she goes, it's weird. It's just uh, everything's the same, but it's different. How, yeah. you know? And it's, it's I'm like, same scene, but different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the client this morning said, Go back to what you were talking about earlier. The future self becomes the present self. Is I said I, I, I'm setting you homework to meditate for 15 minutes every morning, just observing the sensations, not not with an app or anything, and do it in the morning so it's proactive instead of at the end of the day where it's more reactive to unwind. Uh, and we're not using it to relax; we're using it to 
to experience impermanence on a very deep level. So, you know, the sensation will arise and, and we'll observe it without attachment and then it will go. So we're actually experiencing on a really deep level the law of nature, which puts us back within the law of nature, which, which gets us grounded. I said, but the meditation that you do every 15 minutes isn't for you. It's for tomorrow's version of you. And so in that regard, in that context, you're actually practicing self-love and self-care, mm. you know, it's um, taking the hard path now, you know, we want to create a habit, not just do acts of meditation. So creating this habit is going to be hard at the start, but then as it does, it gets easier because you start conditioning yourself. And so the version of you that exists, you know, she's studying at the moment. She's like, oh, it's, it's not like how it was last time I was at uni. It's, it's a lot more stimulus, a lot more triggered. And I'm like, okay, so are you, are you grounding yourself every morning? No, no, I'm just going in, going into the day. I'm like, right. Well, let's, Autopilot. That's not <laughs> let's not expect you to not be triggered and to be calm and you know, let's, let's do what it takes to become calm and composed. And she's like, ah, yeah, right. But it's going to be effort and repeated effort. Yeah. I like the carefree. It's like, I, I care enough about myself that I'm going to stop caring about what other people are doing and saying. Yeah. Well, if I mean, we've got the whiteboard here, so we'll we'll just give it a little quick little nudge for you. You can't you can't help trip. yourself, mate. If the whiteboard's there, you just can't. I can help myself. I'm choosing to do this. this Everyone is listening and not on YouTube are like, this, oh, here he it, goes on his bloody whiteboard. This again. is a conscious choice. <laughs> so we write the word where where will I put it over here? If I write. Care. It's going to be backwards, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's, it's okay. Fine. That's fine. That was fine the way you were doing it. Was it? Yeah. Okay. So write down care free. Care free. And then write, so it's eight letters. Mm -hmm. And then write immediately under it in capitals. Um, <laughs> write down in capitals under it fearless. Fearless. So that too is eight letters. So yep. each letter is under each other. Yep. So people want to be carefree and fearless. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know. So if we split those in half, so down the middle, so chop the eight letters into four letters, and then yep. we chop the words in half. So it's sort of like putting a plus sign in the middle of it all, quartering yep. it. Yep. It suddenly turns into care, free, fear, less. Mm -hmm. Right. So if care is attachment, we become free of our attachments and that creates fear is anxiety. So it creates less anxiety. And who doesn't want that? So becoming free of our attachments creates less anxiety. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. I like that one, Nick. So, That's good. Yeah. I don't know how I, how I came up with that. It just popped up in a session a few years ago and I was like, oh, that works. That works. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Carefree and fearless. Can I, speaking of so, being fearless, can I give you a quick spider update? God, looking forward to it. Yeah, well, so I've actually we have had a bunch since we spoke last. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've I've killed a few. Let's I'll be honest. But once again, no fear reaction. But I've also let let a few stay. And I was actually um, I wasn't attached, but I was hoping because last night um, we literally I had one right near where I'm recording right now, and um, I decided to just let him stay for the night. But uh, since I got up this morning, he's moved on somewhere else. But I was what kind of spiders are they? When I lived in Thailand, I can't remember seeing a spider. Um, they're they're huntsman-like creatures, 
Um, right. Yeah, the, but there's 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 like quite huntsman like ones, like with the, the small body and the real big legs, and they're quite big. But then sometimes yeah. you get these kind of the bigger body, bigger. I don't know. I don't know what they are for them. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I literally Festi- I, festively plump arachnids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Festively plump. Yeah, but we're right next to the jungle, so they must sort of just you know come in here from from the jungle. Um, but it's good. It's been a great test one. But still, no, uh, yeah, no fear reaction. I've let two of them stay this week. Um, I called them Daryl, like we spoke about. Oh, yeah, and just yeah. said, yeah, mate, in, enjoy. You know, feast on the little bugs or whatever you're doing here, and um, enjoy your stay. So we watched a doco last night on Stan, the streaming service, mm-hmm. Stan, called uh, The Littlest Big Farm, I think it was called. Right. The, 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 the Biggest Little Farm or something. Okay. Maybe it was The Biggest Little Farm. You're into, you're into little but, things at the minute. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> not really. It's just how it's happening. <laughs> Well, for those that uh, aren't watching, Ryan's really cracked up at his own joke there. And uh, listen, listen, listeners, of, listeners of the show will know I'll be laughing hard at my own joke. <laughs> <laughs> so the littlest big farm, I think it was, or the biggest little farm. Yeah. Anyway, it was brilliant. It was about a, a couple in America. You know, my octopus teacher. Yes. The, the, I've spoken about that. And, yep. and so the octopus sort of taught this human. The biggest little farm was kind of similar vein to that. A dog led them to to change their life and, and then um, they started trying to live, create a, a really um, amazing ecosystem where everything was in balance and harmony and everything. And, and this this is here, so that's going to have a ripple effect. And mm-hmm. it took them seven years to... to sort of figure it out but yeah it was like living living with coyotes living with gophers how do they all fit into the ecosystem Mm. so for you it's like living with the spider how does how can i live alongside these other species in harmony instead of being a typical human and freaking out and trying to kill them yeah because everything affects everything else doesn't it and i think that's why they you know i might be this slightly wrong, but I'm pretty sure you know they were reintroducing more wolves into Yellowstone Park in America yes. because if there, there's yes. a lack of them, then it affects the whole ecosystem of that totally. um, beautiful natural park because you know, like, yeah, everything has an effect on everything else, and everything's kind of uh, got its place. And I think that's one of the things as human beings why we've fucked up the planet so much is because we haven't quite understood that, and um, and and. Uh, have and are still, you know, pillaging it for all the resources we can, not knowing that we can only do that for so long. Mm. Well, we think it's ours and we think we're outside of nature, as David Attenborough said, we've broken free, which is so true. So in in the biggest little farm, um, you know, a, a problem would pop up and they'd be very reactive about it. And so they're growing all these amazing fruits, but all these snails like, Snails in the, the billions would just descend upon this orchard and just yeah, right. you know, climb the trees and, and like fuck, it's overwhelming. We're, we're pulling them off, and how do how do we you know how do we keep on top of this? And then and so they kept reacting and freaking out and going into anxiety and stress because of the attachment that they shouldn't be there and blah blah blah. But then he noticed his dog and he said, "I, I just call my dog sort of sitting there and just it was like he was deciphering how the world." 
happens. And he goes, so I, I tried doing the same thing. So essentially in terms of my work, he sat in that space between stimulus and response uh, and just observed things objectively and, and didn't immediately react based on an irrational belief that there should be no, no um, snails on the tree. And so he just he sort of let go. He, he was a bit more carefree. Um, and then he sort of went, all right, well, there's a solution to this. And the solution was to bring the ducks out of the pond. And what, 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 what loves snails? It's ducks. So let's get the ducks from over there into here. And then all the, the duck, ducks will ducks like, eat snails. Do, right? they had at it and they were, it was, oh, by the truckload. Yeah. 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 They were howling in. And so they're eating all these snails, but they're passing through the ducks and turning into manure on the grass underneath the trees. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden, the snails are helping the trees to grow. And then there was like gophers. So what do we do with all the gophers? Because they're in the root systems of the trees. And it's like, I won't give it all away, but it was amazing. All of these ripple effects, all these worlds colliding, like gophers and ducks and pigs and trees. And, and then you add rain and wind and, you know, and nature's just doing nature. Mm. And these humans are trying to control it all. And finally, they reached a point where they surrendered, let go. Like, we've got no fucking idea. Let's just take a step back. <laughs> we are not bigger or stronger than the universe and Mother Nature. So let's start uh, trying to work within it instead. And then, bang, it just clicked. And it, was, it just clicked. And yeah. we can do that with our own lives as well. You know, a lot of the times we can just, it's very, very hard. Our lives we, are our own. We feel, well, we feel so stuck in, you know, our, our emotional patterns and our behavioral patterns and all these kind of things. And we don't realize that we can, like that guy did when looking at the snails on his plants, we can kind of step back from our own life. And I still do this as a practice myself, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, what's, what's Ryan up to at the minute? Like, and to start that's to. That's what I did this morning when the client said, how are you? I said, I'm. I'm very deliberately stepping away from my list of things to do and like I'm prioritizing which, what's really important, which ones am I thinking I have to do because that's going to create tension and anxiety and stress and I'm not going to enjoy this day because I'm, I've got so much to do and I'm so important and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. The reality is I could just go and sit and read a book all day and the world wouldn't change. Yeah, so, yep. Yeah, because that's one I still got. I still get there. You got to be busy, and I'm like, there's this whole list of things to do, and I've got to, you know, do, 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 and then I'm like, no, you don't, <laughs> Ryan. What are you doing at the minute? So we can objectively watch ourselves, even though, you know, we 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 very much identify with ourselves. We can sit back as that awareness or that presence, and just look at our our human, and just say, what's what's going on here, mate? You know, with these behaviors or these thoughts or these emotions, and and then we can start to work with them like that guy did with nature. That's a wonderful analogy. Yeah, and so the concept of doing it deliberately, though, I'm deliberately, I'm deliberately going to choose how I spend my time today. Mm. You know, it's it's I'm not just going to let time pass me by. It's I'm, I'm going to choose. You know, it's 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 so precious time. You know, saying this client if. So many people spend one second out of every minute present. So if they live for 60 years, they're going to actually be present for one year of their life. And she's mm -hmm. like, oh, that's so sad. I'm like, it is sad. So yeah. I think I think we really could do more to be more present and here for our life. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's like we have a, a list, you know, in our mind of, well, today I've got to do, I do this work and then I'm catching up with a friend for coffee and then I'm going to see mum and then I'm doing this. And it's like we're, we're just doing things to tick off the boxes, 
you know, whereas if I'm deliberately doing each of those things, so like when I'm, when I'm sitting with mom or I'm sitting with my friend having the coffee, I'm completely deliberate, then I'm there. I'm not just waiting to tick off another box of that to-do list for my day. We, 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 we try and can, we're so irrational. It's hilarious. We try and convince ourselves so much that of the most crazy shit, like, um, multitasking oh i'm a great multitasker i can i can do two things at once no you can't mm. you can not 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 properly it's not thoroughly yeah not you, you can do two things at once but you're going to do half ass job there and a half ass job there and you're going to open yourself up to mistakes so you're doing the opposite of slow is smooth and smooth is fast you know that, that would be just doing one thing at your time and i love the concept of do one thing and do it well Mm. so um emma's nature is a butterfly and she's she said last night we're laying in bed and she's like i wish there was a school that i could go to where you know first period it would be studying permaculture then i could go to a spanish class and i could go to a guitar class it'd be like the school of emma all the things emma wants to learn and and she's incredible at all she wants to do and achieve but i i in my mind i'm like but what if we did one thing and did it well? It's, it's sort of like instead of instead of traveling the whole globe and just touching a lot of places, what if we just lived in one space for a period of time and, and got to experience that? So what about we learn Spanish and, and knock that on the head? And you know, that might take a couple of years, but let's learn Spanish. And once we've got that down, then let's go and learn guitar. And then once we've learned guitar, let's go and do mm-hmm. the next thing. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good book. There's a good book called the the one thing and Gary Keller is the author, but um, it'll come up and yeah, that was a really good book speaking about this, like finding out what the one thing is. And then, you know, he speaks about it in a business context, but you can apply it to a life context as well. And, and one of the things he says is exactly what you said. It's this whole multitasking shit. It's just a myth. You know, it's like just focus on the one thing and then give that all of your, your consciousness. Because when we start to split our attention, like you said, we do a half-assed job at, um, at a lot of things. Mm. Yeah, I'm just reading this synopsis for it now. So the book discusses the value of simplifying one's workload by focusing on the one most important task in any given project. Yeah, yeah, but it does. It, trans- it translates well to life. After reading that book, we actually did a, um, a little mini retreat, like workshop thing. Um, for some people and I called it the one thing it wasn't like based on the book or anything but it was like just going through some different you know life stuff and mental health stuff with people but then the idea was when they leave the, the retreat there's just that one thing that they know they needed to focus on and work on and um and get that right because that was the the biggest kind of cog that needed turning in their life yeah you can hear the the discontent when people are trying to multitask it's i have to do this i have to be it all i have to do it all i have to have it all it's this you can hear the attachments and the cravings there the 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 thirst the hunger it's i need this i need to do this i need more i need more Mm -hmm. um what would happen if we all sort of flipped it on our head and just did less just just were okay with doing less and that doesn't mean don't achieve don't set goals but it's it's, um, yeah, I know. I, I often marinate in, in a particular philosophy for a while and, and one that's popped up um, probably last year was, yeah, I can't do it all, I can't be it all, I can't have it all. And and I, I found this watch that I liked and, and I, I'm deliberately not buying it. So I think I spoke about it last week, you know, and that, that's, that's just 
um, a, pra a meditative practice for me. It's, it's, it's in, in real life experience of I can't have it all. There's this watch that I like. So it's, it's getting back to wants versus needs. I mm. want it, got an attachment to it, but I don't need it. So I'm not yep. going to then spend money on bringing it into my life. I was just imagining you marinating like in the fridge overnight and then a big glass bowl with cling wrap over the top. Ready to be uh, ready to be roasted the next day in a philosophy. Mm, this tastes basting. stoic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you sprinkled a bit of Buddhism on this? Yeah, what what, what is that marinade? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of stoicism and Buddhism. <laughs> oh, you've stuffed this with equanimity, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why I'm so, you know, can't form an opinion about it. I don't love it or hate it. I'm just letting it be. <laughs> you know it'd be a you know it'd be a slow cooked roast. This taste equanimous. It'd be <laughs> really slow, slow cooked. <laughs> Almost a still cooking. <laughs> a still cooking. You just what leave it in the sun like a sun-dried tomato for like two days. Yeah, a friend, um, a friend um, created some wine that way, uh, asciutto, so it was air-dried grapes. Right. Um, yeah, it was a really unique taste. It was, it was one of my favourite wines. Yeah. Delicious. Can I talk to you about something that um, made me a bit angry this week? If you feel like you need to, yes. Of course. I just want your opinion on it because you know you're you're, okay. you're you're there in Melbourne. It's about Melbourne. You know, Nick and I are both from Melbourne. I'm still in Thailand. Been definitely a year now. Trying, I'm actually trying to get home at the minute, but it, it ain't happening as yet. Right. Um, but uh, obviously, you guys there have just come out of this little mini lockdown. That um, yeah, a little five day. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you saw this, but um, it definitely grabbed my attention that on the day that it was announced, there was, I think, two cases of uh, COVID in Melbourne had popped up somewhere. And so the, the Premier had said, you know, Victoria's going into lockdown for the next five days. And Lifeline, this is where I, you know, we, we can probably do a whole podcast on the effect of lockdowns um, on our mental health. But Lifeline, which is a basically like a, a number for those who aren't in Australia. It's a it's an emergency kind of number for mental health for people who are really struggling and oftentimes thinking about suicide um, and needing someone to talk to immediately and someone will lend an ear, try and, you know, talk them down a little bit and then obviously try and direct them in the right area for services. So on the day that this new lockdown was announced, uh, Victoria had... Uh, 3,306 calls on that Saturday, which is the third highest number of calls in a single day in Lifeline's almost 60-year history, um, which is massive. And they said they saw similar spikes when, when the previous lockdowns you know, were announced um, and, and also on the days when uh, there was the massive bushfires um, in Victoria. So, yeah, I'd like your thoughts on it, Nick. I mean, the, the effect of lockdowns on mental health. Well, what, and... what made you angry? Because you said you made you angry. What, what exactly? Okay. Don't go into your therapist for a minute. Like, I, I know I've, I, I'm not sitting here angry about it, but I made myself angry at first because yes. I, I thought, I thought to myself of all those people, three, 3,306 people calling up this number who were oftentimes contemplating ending their life or having trouble being alive. 
based on two people getting a disease which have a 99.7% success rate of surviving and nearly 100% success rate if they're not over the age of 65. So that that's what was I was making myself a little bit angry in that context because I was I was going into a little bit of empathy for all those people who are uh, obviously their mental health was greatly affected by the announcement of yet another lockdown. So remember the podcast we did with Glenn Poole, mm-hmm. uh, CEO of Australian Men's Health Australian Forum. Men- mental health form and we're talking about personal responsibility and who you know, should we take ownership over our happiness and health a bit more and how many people are outsourcing their happiness so i too go into empathy for people that are in suffering but if it's a lot of so stoic quote about we're more often afraid than we are hurt so we're, we're more suffering and imagination than reality, yeah? So of those 3,300-odd people, most of them were more afraid than hurt. They, they felt hurt, they felt, you know, but the majority of that would, I imagine, be unnecessary suffering mm-hmm. where they're going into these distortions and blowing things out of proportion. You can hear the deep attachments that they have to what they think should be happening and so on and so forth. So it's a really interesting one. And, and as Glenn said, it's it's not about everyone should be responsible for the happiness, but no one should be responsible for the happiness. It's a, it's a collective, you know, so society and the, and the individual all need to, to work together. So when I'm looking at it from that perspective, I, I, I go into empathy for, for the people that are feeling so powerless, so helpless that, they're so affected by the the state of the world, yeah, um, and that that's that's sad that people are so helpless. For me, that's um, this says how much work we have to do as a society, I think, and, and how much work we have to do as mind fit practitioners to get people mentally, physically, you know, healthy. But um, I I don't see. It's controlling the controllables. So what can we do about it? What What's getting angry going to achieve? Is that... Because um, when we're angry, it's usually a case of fair and unfair, which is a distortion. So it's... I don't know. I'm, I'm going around in circles a little bit because I'm just trying to decide which way I want to come at it from. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, have the answers, but I just I'm, I maybe I'm looking. I'm looking at things on a on a macro level at the minute because I'm I'm not in Melbourne and I'm looking at things on this on a larger scale, and um, it just seems to me like there's going to be a lot more damage being caused um, by but these where lockdowns. Where does the responsibility and- lie? Like the, the, life's going to happen. You know, that's it's it's. If, if well, we, there's if that not, one, like I said, there's, okay, there's, there's so, micro and macro. So there's personal responsibility, yeah, yeah. but that so many people aren't in a position, like you know, during lockdown, the last one, the, the domestic violence went through the roof, and so the, the, those, um, not always, but oftentimes, men who are a perpetrator in that instance, mm. you know, they're, they're in, they're not going to take personal responsibility, you know, and and aren't going to be seeking help for their mental health because they're in denial that they have it. Um, so then you've also got to say, well, there's also a responsibility on uh, policymakers and government to say, hey, what are the actual short and long-term impact of what we're doing here? 
because I, it sounds like you know there's going to be a lot there's, more. There's t- no right or wrong though. Like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you mm-hmm. if you don't impose lockdown and and health rest, you know, restrictions to keep, it's like do you, do you kill one person to save the many sort of you know, discussion. It's, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It is. Yeah, because like the only the only really people that die are people who are really old and, and really sick from this uh from the virus and then so but then and, here's the thing here's the thing my mum and dad are in their 70s so i definitely yeah. don't want my mum and dad to get it and die because that's very on a micro that's very personal to me but at the same time um on a macro level i'm like you know sh- sh- i mean well what's going to happen when summer finishes there in melbourne and flu season starts again the numbers are just going to go up again and so we're just going to keep doing lockdowns forever it's it's just do you understand where i'm coming from yeah I do, I do. But, you know, once you go back to David Attenborough, humans are broken friend. This can sound really callous and cold and clinical, but we need less humans on Earth. So we're, we've st- we're broken free because we've come up with all of these cures for ailments and illnesses and everything. So, you know, in a very cold nutshell, more of us do need to die. And, and mm. that's just the reality. We, we, we are... Yeah, because we're looking at you're looking at macro from a human perspective. Look at it uber macro from a planetary perspective, and and I'm sure so many species and Mother Nature are rooting for the virus to win. Yeah, yeah. So why Elon Musk is trying to colonize Mars because it's not sustainable the way we're going. Yeah, I had this discussion at home the other night, and I was like. I don't, I personally don't agree with it. I don't think we deserve another planet until we can get this one right and, yeah. and coexist on this one. Anyway, leave that for another podcast. This, but, this um, one's better off without us, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the things I said. If if there was a mass extinction of human beings, um, and there's been mass extinctions, uh, there's been six of them, I think, in the history of the Earth, yeah. um, or the sixth one's coming, one of those. But it's like if all humans got wiped out, the planet would be fine. <laughs> like yeah, rainforests would start regrowing. Other species would start yeah. to flourish. Like things would be great. And we've, we've fucked it in the blink of an eye. But in, if we all disappeared in the blink of an eye, another couple of hundred or thousand years relative to the, the age of the universe, or the age of the planet, yeah, the planet would be fine in the blink of an eye in terms yeah. of universal time. Exactly. But we're looking at it through our human time and going, it's such a long time. It's going to take ages. Well, once again, that's how ego is in place. So go back to the COVID conundrum, the COVID conundrum. conundrum. It depends on what level you're looking at it from. So yes. if you're looking at it on a personal family level, you know, very micro level, of course, we don't want our loved ones to die. But what's the reality that they, we all will eventually die? So it's, oh, you know. I know. I just, I just always come back to control and the controllables. What can I control? That's how I choose to feel in any given situation. So um, I'm, I'm just moving to an acceptance that the world is in this state and, and I'm not a decision maker. I'm not a policy maker. I'm just, all I can do is help people that want help, the, the 3,300 ring lifeline. If a couple of them ring MindFit and get in touch, that's what I can control. That's yep. all I can do. So that's where my focus and attention needs to be. That sounds very deliberate. <laughs> I'm going to deliberately punch you in the arm. Yeah, that's the, the that's the word of the day. No, I like it. It's, I like the word. 
you're right. Control the controllables. You know, I, I'm, I don't want to be in charge of making these policies and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I also think that yeah, this is it's going to be. There's already a lot of a lot of negative effects happening. But you're right. You know, either, either way we approach it, um, we'll only know in the in in the fullness of time, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about anger. <laughs> What, what were we talking about in the last podcast? We said we were going to talk about anger. Was it the suppression of anger? Uh, I don't know. I can't recall. Probably. It's, um, and what, what lens do you want to look at anger through? Um, I, I like what lens you want to look at anger through. So for anger, for me working with clients, anger has been uh, pushed down uh, and this seems to be a cultural thing that's happened because anger has been quite destructive. Uh, it can be. It's like anything. Nothing's good or bad, you know. But so like, if I'm angry and, and, I, and I want to punch someone but I don't punch them, is that is that suppressing it? Depends. Depends what, you, depends what you do with that inner energy. Depends whether you're pushing that inner energy down or you're push, letting that inner energy up. Because the energy of anger is also that's our power, you know. That's our that's our that's our real power. That's our juice, you know. So I I think I like to look at it at that lens and say my my anger can be a force of destruction, but it can also be a force of personal power. Anger is what tells me tells someone else no when I want to say no, because my boundaries are being overstepped. If my anger has been suppressed and I just don't have any power anymore, then I'll just say yes and let people, you know use me or you know I'll, I'll be a people pleaser and I'll, I'll have no power in my system sometimes hear sports people talk about how if they're a bit flat or they're making some mistakes they'll get angry and and that anger will refocus them and they use their anger they channel their anger to <laughs> to improve their performance it reminds me have you watched have you watched the last dance on, on yes. Netflix. Yeah, I only watched yeah, it just Michael. recently because I've never been a basketball fan. My mates are, but anyway, I watched it. But yeah, that was, you know, Jordan, like someone would say something to him that wasn't even that offensive at all, but he'd hold on to it. And then like six months later when they played him, he'd take it out on them. And, and I remember one of them was his story and, and it never actually happened. He just made up the story that someone slighted him just to give himself motivation for the next time they played. And he dominated and like won the game for them. So yeah, yeah, I, I've, I, I think that's that's interesting i do that sometimes like with 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 weird stuff like you know i've been getting in quite good shape again and eating right and going to the gym lately and it's kind of like i'll look at myself in the mirror sometimes and and be like oh what just because you're turning 37 next month you're gonna get out of shape it's like it's like i've made up that someone's you know challenging me in some respect when no one is except for myself and and it does it gives you it gives fuel it gives motivation Hmm. Uh, it's each to their own. It's, 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 there's no right or wrong way. So this is all a philosophical discussion. Yeah. In, in our work in here, anger is, we put that under the umbrella of suffering. Yeah. So anxiety, depression, anger, and guilt, all those four create this umbrella of suffering. And, and so we have necessary and then unnecessary suffering. Okay, so necessary suffering is is 
as we spoke about, I'm getting heaps of texts about uh, the Anger in the Podcast, by the way. So many oh, clients yeah? just, I just laughed for the first 15 minutes of it. <laughs> I knew that would be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that was an example of, of necessary suffering in the form of anger. You know, it was a controlled anger, not, not once. It was a deliberate anger. Not, not once did I... Um, go into a distortion of it's unfair or he shouldn't be here or anything like that. I wasn't taking it personally. I was just, um, I had to set a boundary. So, yeah, it, it, it comes back to, it depends if it's if it's necessary or unnecessary suffering for me personally. And if it's unnecessary suffering, then the anger will be destructive in its nature and we will we're trying to construct a healthy life. We're trying to construct a relationship. If we're if we're getting triggered and taking things personally, and then we're going into anger and that destructive nature, then to me it becomes problematic. Yeah. So if, I find, I find if, if we've sorry. got a part. Sorry, just quickly. Mm-hmm. If a partner's crossing a boundary constantly and and you know trying to hurt us or trying to harm us or whatever, and, and we set the boundary and they don't they keep crossing it. That's where I think we can use anger constructively, mm-hmm. um, not to hurt them, but just to get, you know, to speak on their level. I had a client, I actually, the one this morning, I said to her, sometimes, sometimes you need to fight fire with fire. Not always, but if it's done deliberately, it's a, it's a controlled burn because um, her daughter wasn't just, uh, um, wasn't hearing her, wasn't listening, kept, kept crossing these boundaries. So instead of just being like a quiet church mouse, she actually roared like a lion. And it was so such a different response mm. that the daughter was like, oh, Jesus, oh, fuck, what's going on here? And, and there's been a change, a really positive, healthy change has come out of that. So, yeah, examples of constructive anger and destructive anger is, I guess, how I, I look at it. Yeah, yeah. It sounds, it sounds like to me she used her, her power in that instance and that anger was her power so it can be used in a positive context. I find those kind of the, the two destructive things that I see are one um, is just people have just such an accumulation of anger and all the cognitive distortions and everything where they're just externalising their anger all the time and you'll know, you know, there's a friend who's just fucking angry at everything, you know, basically, you know, I see that. But then what I see doc, so, so often is people who are, are scared to be angry. They're even scared of the feeling of anger because it's kind of been overcoupled with a, a fear response and that can happen for many reasons. But oftentimes anger was seen as a bad thing when they were younger you know, whenever they got angry, they were told to, you know, put in another room or told, you know, stop having, you know, a tantrum or bad, bad, bad. You have to be a good boy or good girl. And so now there's this uh, fear that's over the anger. So now as an adult, every time the anger starts to come up in the system, it gets slammed down with fear. Like I'm not, I'm afraid to feel that. Yeah. So then what happens? They've just keep, they got this suppression, suppression, suppression of anger because it's overcoupled with fear. And then it, you'll find these weird behaviors or destructive behaviors start to come out because it's kind of like that, that energy needs expression in some way. So I often get people to start to, in session, in a safe place, start to feel their anger. And start to fear, and 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 oftentimes that can take time because once again, as soon as that anger start, we start to tap into it. It keeps getting shut down and shut down. It's very unconscious because we learned it early on. And so the, I try and get clients very familiar with the feeling of anger, but also see that this is your power. This is your block for that woman 
to be able to roar like a lion in the moment that called for it, that was her using her anger as her power as opposed to using it destructively. So um, a lot of the work I do is trying to help people, you know, tra- I suppose transmute a lot of suppressed anger in, into some personal power. Because if you feel anger, it's very, it's very uplifting. A lot of these other emotions are very, you know, if they feel like they're pushing down, you know, I start to go into a depressed state or apathy or shame or guilt. It's kind of a downflowing energy, whereas anger is a very upflowing energy. There's a, there's a lot of energy in it. And I think that if we can start to channel that and use it, use it correctly, it can be a, a very good thing for our mental health as opposed to a negative thing. What do you think, Nick? No, Nick's, no. you just Nick's frozen for a second. What what I've said is just no, frozen. You froze frozen. As well. You fro- I froze your internet. <laughs> no, you froze. You've been you've been frozen, but you, your words have been coming through. It's like Beautiful. honey to my ears. It's okay. Um, we're trying to help people to have an emotional response that's in proportion to what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. So Victor Frankel said, and. Um, Abnormal response to an abnormal situation is still a, a normal response. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So looking at anger, for, for a lot of my clients, they get heightened. So instead of being equanimous, calm and composed, they, they will get heightened. And a lot of the time it's because the ego is involved. They... Uh, so it's ego-driven anger, and it's they're taking it personally, or not being loved or liked, or not getting what they want. You know, it's a, an adult tantrum. And a lot of the clients you're working with, as a child, they've been angry, and their parents have taken the easy path and just tried to tell them to not be angry. But kids are irrational. Kids are all ego-based. It's, it's just all ego as children. The whole world revolves around us, yep. um, and and some children never grow into adults only only by number not by maturity levels and so yeah it, it's it's not healthy for the 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 adult parents to suppress the child's anger and to teach them how to be more constructive um in those situations but the parent usually hasn't been taught either so it's just mm. all you know, this so the source of suffering is attachment who i get what i want but it's also ignorance you know i don't know how to do anything other than what i'm doing 100%. So i like the um i like the i think i did this one ages ago like maybe in episode two or something but chase um, nick that is a while ago <laughs> I love this one. It's just something I share with clients. So you may remember it. You are holding a cup of coffee when someone comes along and bumps into you, making you spill your coffee everywhere. Why did you spill the coffee, Ryan? I have heard this before and I can't fucking remember the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, spilled the- wait, wait, wait. I spilled the coffee because I had coffee in my cup. Yes, you did. Yeah, you were right. You were right. Good job, <laughs> job Ryan. There you go. Let's let's just say I did it because someone bumped into some dickhead bumped into me. <laughs> well, you yeah, and that's the, the answer most people give is because I was bumped into because yes. this thing made me spill my coffee. You know, it. So you said before, you know, these things made me angry. But you spilled your coffee, as you rightly said, because you had coffee in your cup. Had there been tea in the cup, you would have spilled tea. 
So the point is, whatever is inside the cup is what will spill out of it. Therefore, when life comes along and shakes you, which will happen, COVID, lockdown, whatever, whatever is inside you will come out. It's easy to fake it until you get rattled. So we have to ask ourselves, what's in my cup? When life gets tough, when I'm not getting what I want, when things aren't going my way, when my life's not perfect, when I'm being challenged, when there's obstacles, uh, when my um, income and, and therefore sense of security is compromised, you know, what's going to come out? And these 3,300 odd people that called Lifeline, you know, as I said, the unnecessary suffering there, they would have been triggered. Um, I'm not getting what I want, so they would have gone into suffering there. So when life gets tough, what spills out? Is it joy, gratitude, peace, humility, acceptance, um, or does anger and bitterness, harsh words and resentment come out? So I think it's really important to deliberately take a look in the mirror and see what's really in our cup. Have a look at how we either mindfully respond when when there's situations that occur or how we mindlessly react mm -hmm. and if we're mindlessly reacting what's coming out of us and if it's anger that's not a healthy thing yeah i found i found that working with people when you think of the the heavier emotions so guilt shame anger fear sadness hurt that we t people tend to memorize one one or two most predominantly so like it could have been anger for me um, in my journey, it was fear and guilt. So my cup would have been full of fear and guilt. So that was what would keep pouring over in my life. Mine was anxiety. Yeah. yeah. So anxiety yeah. was in my cup. Yeah. So we can, we can look at our lives. Yeah. And like, it's a really good analogy and we can just see which, which is that one or two emotions that keep reoccurring over and over again. And they're the ones that our cup is just absolutely full of. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take much stimulus at all for it to spill over. Because, you know, it's like there's often the thing that we're angry at, we're not actually angry at. <laughs> because if, like, if that cup wasn't full of anger, it wouldn't make us angry at all. Well, it's like we're not living in the reality of what is when we're angry in that destructive way. We're, angry, we're living in the reality of what we think should be happening. So mm. it's the ego. Oh, I'm not getting what I want. What I want is to be able to go and visit friends and have a party and da 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 da, da. I can't get that at the moment because the stupid fucking premier says that we can't go and do these things. Mm. Yeah. What a loser. You, know? you can hear the destructiveness in that. And, and that's all so unnecessary. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> then I'm thinking as well, I'm like, well, what percentage of these, of people that are calling, a you know, even aware of, 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 of have the education of tending to their garden or the education that, you know, there's things we can do for our mental health. And once again, this comes back to the looking at the macro again, the, um, the education piece as well, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, suffering is coming from that ignorance that they're not aware that they have this superpower, which is, to remain calm, you know, that's, that's considered a superpower by many. It's, it's weird when the shit's going on and, you know, 10 people are in a room, nine of them start freaking out and one of them sits there and, and just observes things. It's, it's, he seemed to have a superpower, but it's just, you know, as Bruce Lee was saying, the, the most dangerous person in the room is the one that just sits there and observes things mm. because he is in his power. And so when you talk about power, 
for me, that is true power is not reacting. True power yeah. is staying in our power and not getting heightened. So that, that person that Bruce Lee's describing, that's what I would describe as a, a man or woman that's integrated their anger. Okay, so that they've inter- they've integrated their anger and now they have a a a, a mass of, of just personal power. Okay, so I saw a, a video of a bar footage in Bumfuck Idaho or something, Shitsville, <laughs> uh, Tennessee, somewhere in America, some dive bar, yeah. and there's this couple of people just sitting in the bar drinking, just like in the movies, by themselves, you know, throwing a few back, and then this dude comes in with a gun and starts pointing it around the room and. There's this, everyone dives to the ground. There's this one dude who just stays there. And this, this, it was weird. It was like he disappeared because the gunman just started moving around him. It was like on a subconscious level, he's like, oh, I shouldn't fuck with this dude because he's not hitting the ground. He's not reacting. You know, he hasn't given me his power yet, so I'm not going to go near him. Right. And, and this dude just calmly lit a cigarette and the, the, <laughs> the gunman finally came over and, and started to do something and he went and snatched his wallet back off him, you know, and, and the gun was like, Oh, fuck it. I'll focus on all the low hanging fruit around. Yep. It. And he just walked out after that. And the, the dude just sat at the bar the whole time. And uh, I don't know if life was that bad for him that he just had given up completely. And he just had, he was too carefree because remember this is a spectrum <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. at one end or the other it's not so i don't know what was going on in his head but this from it was silent footage and just 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 looking at it purely wow. from that way i was like fuck this dude's just just in it <laughs> yeah wow yeah you never know i'm like when you first started talking about that i'm like did he just go into a complete freeze response but i'm like no nah, he's lighting up a dart and yep. back so no he didn't yeah. shut down he wasn't he wasn't yeah. he, he wasn't in his sympathetic nervous system it's, at all he it's was, like um yeah and who knows what was going on for him he might have had a bloody cancer diagnosis and he had like a week to live or something he's like i don't give a <laughs> fuck mate or or he just he just was living a fearless life and he's like or you he, know. Knew, he knew he, you know he was a kung fu master or something and he knew that if push t- yeah. came to shove he, he could fuck shit up if he wanted to it, so. it's like, it's like you know i um in, in breaking bad it's the first episode of breaking bad which i only watched last year i was a bit, bit, bit late with that but it's um literally in the first episode and walter white has just found out he's um got this cancer diagnosis that he's just kept to himself but it's you know he's got he knows he's he's gonna die from it and um his son um has a disorder so you know has to use crutches to walk and everything and he's walter's lived his whole life as this passive you know he was a genius mind but um everyone stood over him in business and he's teaching at a high school for a low wage and just you know a very passive man and he's got this diagnosis and they're out clothes shopping and these young kids come in and start making fun of his son and it's normally something the wife would go and yell at them or whatever and then walter stops her and he goes out the back door in the front and like just grabs the dude and throws him to the ground and about to stop making fun of this kid and blah 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 and he only does that because he just found out that I have a, a finite time here to live and I'm not going to let this person, you know, make fun of my son the way they are because in the past I would have just stood there and let my wife yell at them and done nothing. How yeah, interesting. So there's a catalyst for a, a change there. It's, um, it's amazing, you know, the, well, to go back to what we've spoken about, you know, Marcus Aurelius and that, that were 
were unafraid of death. They'd meditate on their death. So when you meditate on your death and move into an acceptance of it, you stop being afraid of dying. It frees you to start living. And it's sort of a similar thing, I think, in that um, if we can be a bit more fearless, we become carefree. It's, it's a synchronicity, right? It's, all it's common full circle. It has. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But for me, it's 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 also having that mind that's free of distortions. You know, it's it's not only being if we can be free up here, we can be free within ourselves, and so that's where we're in that position where we can choose. And to me. Having that choice is the real power. Am I choosing mm. to do this? When the guy was in the toilet the other day, I had to set a boundary. I chose to go into that space. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, I think ultimately having choice is, is our true superpower. Yeah, yeah. And we've always, well, we've got choice when we're, when we're aware and conscious that we do. Mm. And that's your, your mate, your mate, Victor Frankel, stimulus in response. Yeah. Your mate. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, our, our mate Buddha, our old mate Buddha. Our, our mate yeah. Buds. Our yeah, mate Buds. 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 Uh, all right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, that's been an hour already, mate. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. So uh, I think yeah. key points from today, we are, a few ideas we've thrown around about around anger, but I think the key point for people to take away is just, just see what's in your cup. So just notice what life brings up for you. Do you find yourself, you know, fear being triggered mostly or is guilt being triggered mostly or is anger being triggered mostly or or whatever it is to start to notice and, and that's just what what you're holding in your cup and that you're going to have to start to if you want to grow in this way start to to let go of and there's different things you can do to do that but the first thing you have to do is is become aware of it and that also links in with i think living a deliberate life living a deliberate life means hey if i'm reacting with anger to things that happen on a daily basis do i want to do that or do i deliberately want to make change and not be in that angry state anymore you've got to train and condition yourself there's certain things you have to do to then create a capacity to live a deliberate life you can't just expect to live it yeah growing in capacity i love that i love that yes all right carefree fearless thank you nick thank you ryan all right everyone listeners thank you listeners we'll uh, we'll see you all next week Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.